Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Storks. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Yes. Storks is a 2016 film. It was produced by Warner Animation Group and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It's written and directed by Nicholas Stoller and Doug Sweetland. It has stars the voices of Andy Samberg, Katie Crown, Kelsey Grammer, Jennifer Aniston, Ty Burrell, Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, and Danny Trejo. Paul, will you tell us a little bit about the plot of Storks? Storks have left their traditional vocation of delivering babies and are now couriers for cornerstore.com. Star delivery stork Jr. gets the news that he is going to be promoted to boss of cornerstore.com, stork delivery department, whatever, (laughs) uh, if he fires the human orphan tulip, who, for reasons lives among the birds as it though she is a human. Meanwhile, a kid who wants a brother writes to the storks to ask them to deliver the brother, and Tulip accidentally activates the long, out-of-use baby-making machine, making a baby who has to be delivered to the boy Nate and his family. For convoluted reasons... Junior and Tulip end up trying to deliver the baby together. They have adventures and misadventures, and eventually Junior does become the boss and returns storks to their traditional vocation of delivering babies. The baby ends up with Nate. Tulip finds her own family. Everyone lives happily ever after. The end. The end. The majority of the movie is the misadventures along the way. Yeah, a lot of what I just said is kind of the premise and the setup. This is one of these movies that, like, a lot of kids' movies are. Well, a lot of movies are, but a lot of kids' movies are this, like, they have to deliver the thing. There are obstacles, and by the end, they deliver the thing, right? Like, so when you describe the premise, and then there are obstacles (laughs) in them achieving their goal. And what the obstacles are isn't exactly the I mean, it is the plot, but it's like, they meet wolves and their plane breaks and they get tricked and they, like, mm-hmm. there are obstacles. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, objectively speaking, how good of a movie is Storks? It is pretty standard kids movie. Like you were kind of saying, like you were just saying, it is... One of these just animated movies where they go on an adventure. There's funny voices. There's funny moments and slapstick. And I don't think there's anything to highly recommend it, but not really anything to really not recommend it in the end. Like, let's take it step by step. And how good of a job are the various different departments and people doing Mm -hmm. at making this movie? So, like... I, as listeners will know, I often want to talk about the music, and I'm Mm going to get that out of the way and say, the music in this movie is bland to the point of absolutely forgettable. 
Yeah, well, it's not a musical, so I mean, there's some yeah, a couple of songs, but there's yeah, a couple of songs. The soundtrack is like whatever. Yeah, boring. So check <laughs> that off. The animation is good technically, but not uh, at all innovative. Yes. Yeah. You could take any of these characters, drop them into any number of other movies. Like, it looks a lot like Monsters, Inc. It looks a lot like, you know, Boss Baby. It looks a lot like, which I haven't seen, but it looks a lot like The Secret Life of Pets. Which isn't to say that that none of those movies have any distinctiveness, but, like, the... It's... There's nothing... There's not a lot of, um... Innovative visual style in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't have a whole lot of style. No. But but it is good. Like, I mean, it's not poorly animated. No. Technically, it, have a lot of style. it seems like it's well done. Yeah. The plot is, I think... I think the premise is funny and clever. Um, Although, I want to get back to that much later in the show. Yeah. Uh, there's a fun premise. The plot is very very formulaic uh and the script i think was actually quite funny yeah so in terms of writing i think the plotting was mediocre it was fine it was could have been plotted by a plotting machine (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) plug in the various things and it writes you a plot but the script was quite fun yeah. I thought and quite funny and I'd be curious to know like there are a couple of uh actors who are well known for their and specifically I'm specifically thinking of Key and Peele and of Andy Samberg who are like performing I mean Key and Peele are well known not just as performers but as writers as like comic character makers yeah and so I'd be curious to know how much leeway they were given on their part. Mm-hmm. And Andy Samberg's character talks like an Andy Samberg character. Yes, absolutely. So it's hard to believe that those lines were scripted like that without him having some leeway because he sounds like Jake Peralta often. Yes, yeah. He says like cool, cool, cool and things like that that are very, uh, very Andy Samberg. I, I can't imagine... A different person in this role. I think it was made for him. It was either made for him or they let him run with it quite a lot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which was good. And I think that uh, I really enjoyed Andy Samberg in this movie. Mm -hmm. Way more than in, say, uh, Hotel Transylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he wasn't as Andy Samberg. No, exactly. And I mean, I generally like Andy Samberg in general, so that helps. But I think he was he was funny, he was clever, he was like he had a lot of good lines. And same with uh Ty Burrell as the the human father of mm-hmm. Nate. He was very much his character on Modern Family. Yeah, he was a realist a realtor. Yeah, he's even a realtor. Where I was driving with all of that that I was saying was just that like I feel like the high points in terms of the comedy were uh Keegan Michael Key and uh, um, Jordan Peele 
as the two wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andy Samberg's delivery as the stork. And I'm just curious about whether I think that is a high point. I'm curious about whether to say that I think that the voice actors were doing really well or whether I think that the script was good who to give my uh, appreciation to for what I liked best about this movie. No, you know, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. And it's also, that would be also the director who let them do those things. The director who let them do good things. Because I think the high points of this movie, the wolves were an absolute high point of the movie. Yeah. They were really funny. And that was clever with writing and animating because the whole, uh, that the wolves turn into different things that yes. they make the shape of a bridge and the shape of a boat and all this stuff was very clever very well executed in both animation and uh voice acting and writing and everything that was very much a high point yep so moving on to how much did you enjoy this movie outside of objectively i actually liked it quite a lot mm-hmm. i it didn't uh, I, I didn't emotionally connect to it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't literally the kind of the movie, the kind of movie that's trying for it. Yeah. But as longtime listeners will know, what I hope for in a movie I enjoy the most is a movie that makes me, uh, that uh, appeals to me emotionally as well as intellectually, if possible. Man, that's the best. If it is, if it does both. As I put it to my kids, like. I like movies that make me feel a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. This movie didn't make me feel a lot of feelings. No. But I had a really enjoyable time watching this movie. I laughed. It held my attention throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was... I, I thought it was fun. I would mm-hmm. watch it again. Yeah. How about you? Uh, similar. I enjoyed it. It held my attention, too. I liked that... There were a lot of kind of chase scenes, but I didn't feel like any went on too long, which is often my complaint with these kind of movies. Yeah. That there wasn't any point in which I was bored because it was, there was too much chasing. I, yeah, there was some genuine laughs, some really genuine funny moments in this movie. The, the pigeon throughout the whole movie, who is like half bad guy, half not just in it for himself. Yep. And his whole, like, how do you like me now section. How you like me now? Oh, how you like me now? How you like me now? How do you like me now? Now there was a time when you lost me so I could do no wrong and now you need which like has nothing to do with the rest of the movie but it's hilarious and the just the way he talks i think i want to credit that as being the voice actor like those lines as written are fine yeah. But the performance is what pushed them what, into being really funny. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And then and then the wolves were also really funny. So there's just, yeah, there's a lot of moments of of levity that just make you keep watching, which I appreciate. It's yeah, yeah it's it's fun. 
And think about the uh, chase scenes. Like, one of the things this movie did right was recognize that a chase scene can't just be a chase scene. Yeah, exactly. good movies recognize that. Good movies accomplish more than one thing in a chase scene. And what this movie always accomplished was humor. Mm. The chase scenes weren't just uh, artificial, contrived tension that was going to be inevitably relieved. They were funny. Like mm-hmm. the shape-shifting wolves. Yeah, The shape exactly. of a wolf submarine. <laughs> and then they, like, come up to the air to all gasp for breath all at once. And they go, bloop, <laughs> while they're under the water. Like, that was hilarious. So great. Or, this isn't the chase scene, but fight scenes can also be dull if all it is is a fight scene. Yeah. But, like, there was this, the fight scene where they're fighting the penguins and the baby's asleep, so they have to fight silently yes and there's no music that was really funny that was really funny and it's accomplishing like it's recognizing what this movie is for mm-hmm. it's supposed to be funny yeah and so all the chase scenes and all the fight scenes were funny mm-hmm. it seems again like a, this comes up sometimes on the show it seems like not a very high bar but so many movies fail to meet it yeah in a funny movie your chase scenes should be funny chase scenes yeah and i mean it knows what it is in terms of emotional depth as well. Like it doesn't try to draw out when they bring, when they finally bring the baby to Nate and his family, they say goodbye and they're a little bit sad, but like, it's not this drawn out sad goodbye. They don't want to let go because it's not that kind of a movie. And I appreciate that. I actually thought they played that really perfectly because the characters were extremely sad Mm-hmm. But they weren't trying to make the audience extremely sad. Yeah, exactly. So he played, Andy Samberg particularly, played that separation scene for laughs, but the character was really broken up and mm-hmm. very upset. And which is like, you don't want him to be like, okay, bye, I don't care. I haven't learned anything or developed emotionally through this whole movie. <laughs> but you also don't want to manipulate the audience into like, it's not going to work. Yeah, there's no musical cue to make you, like, to try and tug at your heartstrings when it's not going to. Yeah. In a movie like this. I thought they did that really well, actually. Yeah. So should we move into the... Way, 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 ...portion of our show? Let's. Is there anything in this movie you want to start with, taking it way too seriously? There's a few things to take seriously. Yeah. There's uh, one blink and you'll miss it kind of scene that I just really want to draw attention to. What's that? Which is um, when they capture, when, they, when they're taking the baby and they have it strapped to the plane, they're flying along and the baby starts crying. Mm-hmm. The girl, Vi- uh, Violet, no. Tulip. Tulip. A different flower. A different flower. <laughs> Tulip suddenly flashes to, like, the history of women protecting their babies. Yeah. It is super odd because it doesn't really happen that much again. And it's like a woman protecting her baby with a shield from, like, advancing hordes in both, like, Vikings and Roman soldiers and whatnot. And it's, I think it's supposed to be saying that she's, like, drawing on this natural tendency to protect 
a baby. Mm-hmm. But it kind of comes across as, well, because she's the woman in this situation, mm-hmm. she is will do everything to protect this baby. And it just, it struck me as odd. Mm-hmm. It struck me as, like... At forcing this, like, women are naturally mothers, yeah. and that's the way it is when, like, not every woman is that. I She's 18. I noticed the same scene and thought exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like what they were aiming for, if we're charitable, I feel like what they were aiming for to get across in that scene was a baby crying has a very strong emotional pull on a human because we, as humans, have, for our entire history, uh, protected our babies. Mm -hmm. And so she is instinctually aggravated and uh, the baby crying is very upsetting for her because she has an instinct to protect a baby as a human. Yeah. And that's why she feels it and Junior doesn't because he's a stork. Right. But I think what they ended up portraying instead was women are good for protecting babies. And that's Mm -hmm. their natural uh, state. Yeah. Right. And there was a second scene of, or I don't know, third. There was a few different like flash forward, flash backward scenes that. Yeah honestly didn't really have a place in the movie but when when the junior is saying goodbye to the baby he gets a flash of like here is the baby's life as they grow up and it's her as a child doing all this like riding a bike and doing karate and doing various things and then it ends with her on her wedding day because that's the culmination of a woman's life You know, it kind of goes forward and it's like, and then it ends with like, and that's it. She gets married. um, The end. The end. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well. That the culmination of her life was that. Yeah. Not something more. Or even like, that like, yeah. Or even him delivering her baby. Yeah. That would have been full circle. Because it would have connected him to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, I totally agree. Because I, and again, again, <laughs> it's like, I feel like what they were going for is, I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. And why ending on the wedding day is it's like adulthood. Yeah. It's a marker of adulthood and she's not a baby anymore. And like her life goes on and she, all lots of things happen to her. But that's like a visual marker of like mature adulthood. Right? But it doesn't fit with the theme of the movie. It doesn't fit with the theme of the movie. And it also is, they are, in both of these scenes, they're saddled with all the toxic gender stereotypes that they didn't invent, Mm -hmm. but they still are responsible for. Yeah. This is like a thing that has come up with other movies. And I feel like here again, that like, both the uh, cave, wo- the women through history protecting babies, flash, and the uh, the baby's life it culminates in her getting married, flash. 
like, if there wasn't already a pervasive uh, myth that women exist to protect babies, women specifically aren't fulfilled unless they're protecting babies and are more protective and naturally baby-oriented than men, all women, regardless of age, regardless of their relationship. to Like, if that, all of that didn't already exist in our society, then that scene would be just fine, mm-hmm. right? But that stuff does exist. Yeah. And they don't get a pass. I mean, like... Uh, I don't think it was malicious sexism, mm-hmm. but I think like you bring it, all this stuff exists and you bring it forward, you bring it in and you bring it forward and you reproduce it and you bear responsibility for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have something you want to talk about seriously in this movie? I mean, it's... Only sort of serious. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I just like, I don't know where I'm going with it, but why are babies, uh, why are all the babies like a year old <laughs> or eight months old? Yeah, they're eating solid food. They're definitely mobile and awake. And uh, It just bothered me. And like... It bothered me. Maybe I have an answer for that of why it bothered me. But because you make babies like that because they're at their cutest. Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to do stuff. Yeah. You want the baby to be able to react to things. Uh, and if it's an actual newborn, just the prob- the possibilities for it as an entity on screen become a lot less. Yeah. We used to say to our... Uh, older daughter when our younger daughter was born you know what does she do she drinks and sleeps and cries and pees and poops yep that's everything she can do and with an actual newborn for quite a while yeah that's really all they do i remember when our uh first daughter was born and for like a couple months it's Literally every time they wake up, <laughs> you are trying to get them back to sleep. Yeah. Always. You feed them and put them back to sleep. And like, that's boring on screen. Yeah. Right? It is. So on one hand, I get why they're 10 month old or whatever. But on the other hand, it I don't know, something about it rubbed me the wrong way. Because it's erasing uh, what a baby's actually like. Yes. So a lot of people think that babies are one way when they're not. A lot of... There's a lot of assumptions or a lot of TV tropes about babies that are... Here is a baby. A baby. When, like, a baby is a human. A baby is a human person. who Who goes through many different stages... And ends up being an adult in the end. Yeah. You know, that babies will eventually be adults. And so to just narrow them down to like, babies, they're cute, is so, uh, it's kind of irresponsible in a way. 
Because even as a one-month-old, babies already have personalities and differences. And mm-hmm. not just personalities, but body differences. Mm-hmm. Different needs from each other. Like, just as two adults have different needs from each other, and the needs aren't the same. Yeah. But, like, and they, the movie cause it feels like it remembers that every once in a while. One of the best lines as written, I think, uh... Maybe the best line as written, according to me, in the movie is when uh, Junior's like, oh, babies are stupid. And Dilip is like, no, babies are smart. And Junior's like, you're, you're talking like you're a baby. That you're, you're acting like you're a baby that's learned to talk. And she's like, I am a baby that learned to talk. Exactly, exactly. That's what an adult is. Like, and the, so the movie remembers that every once in a while. But then when it has the scene where there are hundreds of babies, they are palette swaps. Yeah. Exactly. They're identical to each other, except for the one fat baby that's a fat joke. Yeah. Uh, I don't really... Usually, anti-fat prejudices I will call out and get mad at. I don't think that actually was an anti-fat joke. Mm -hmm. It it was a pudgy baby joke, and there are pudgy babies. But it stood out because that was the only baby whose body was different from all the others in its model. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. most of the babies, by far the majority of the babies, had peach skin and unrealistic colored hair. Yeah. Green or blue or pink, like an unnatural hair color. Mm-hmm. There were a handful of different skin tones thrown in, uh, which credit for a handful is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't half of them. Yeah. It wasn't a third of them. I'd say maybe three quarters peach, one quarter all other skin tones. Yeah. As a guess. And all of them but one were the same body shape. Mm-hmm. And that's like a problem for representation reasons, but the body shape thing is more of a problem because it just erases the individuality of the babies. There, mm-hmm. there was more difference in stork shapes than in baby shapes right because they're not individuals they're babies and all babies are babies Mm. and people like that it does have a like that is a problem Mm -hmm. because it affects how people think about actual babies yeah how they're represented it affects how people think about and expect to treat and uh, especially people who don't have babies of their own, yeah. who don't have children, before they have babies or if they never do. But all like the expectations for people who are going to have a baby uh, and talk about like, I don't know, <laughs> the way that people feel free to say I don't like babies when like they're people and they're humans and they're different from each other Mm -hmm. and uh like you don't like babies i don't like you know like 37 year olds 37 year olds you know like come on yeah um but it's this pervasive uh representation of babies as fundamentally interchangeable Mm -hmm. is what leads to those kinds of feeling like uh stereotyping and prejudicing against children and babies is is not only acceptable but uh banal 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even anything. You know? Yep. Absolutely. There's also, to just get into, like, taking it a little bit too seriously, which is Go. the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that it? Um, taking it a little too seriously. <laughs> just a little, just a smidge. Um, in the end, there's all these letters that are piled up, <laughs> and they put them into the machine, and it makes a whole bunch of babies that are then delivered to the letter writers. But it seems like those letters have been piling up for years and years and years. Yeah. And so all these people who like maybe wanted a baby 15 years ago are suddenly like, here, here's a baby on your doorstep. Here's a brand new like one-year-old or whatever. And like, um, they may have changed their mind since then. <laughs> they may have like... Or it's kind of different in this universe that there are other ways to make a baby. That too. So they may have made a baby in some other way and now they've got two. <laughs> exactly. Now they've got extra babies. And like how many of those letters were written like the one we saw from Nate were written by someone who's like, I just want a baby sister. And like, here you go, parent. <laughs> It's pretty like, you know, it's hand waved away and it's just part of the cuteness of the movie and whatnot. But there definitely was a point where I was like, um, do all these people actually still want these children? Because yeah. that's a bit odd. It's like millions of babies suddenly have to be delivered all over the world. And they're all the same age. They're all the same age. Exactly. Yep. All Giant baby boom. But the good thing about delivering all these babies is... uh. I noticed there's a really kind of quick flash of babies getting delivered and just like baby with parents, not the parents' faces aren't even shown, but there definitely is like single people and same sex people. And like, there's just all kinds of, it flashes by really fast, but there are a variety of kinds of families. And I appreciated that though. Maybe a bit fast, but they definitely do show that families come in different constellations exactly yeah i agree with that i agree that was a good i wanted to talk a little bit about the premise of the movie and the idea of storks delivering babies Mm -hmm. and like again in the under the umbrella of taking it too seriously what do we think about this movie with a wink at one point but basically this movie for children reinforcing strongly this story that uh, babies are produced uh, asexually and delivered by storks. Yeah, that's not the best thing. (laughs) Right? I hope that parents have conversations with their children, continue to, about where babies actually come from. Because, like, it's... uh, It's a puritanical myth. It is a puritanical myth, exactly. And it is a parent's choice, and there are reasons for, um, I suppose, there are reasons for, no, not I suppose, there are reasons for, um, monitor, or for controlling the amount of detail that you give at different age-appropriate levels, right? Mm -hmm. But, ignorance about basic human reproduction, about basic human biology, uh, is actually harmful. Yes. Right? In all kinds of ways, including everything from, like, 
kids who grow up with uh, unintended by their parents, perhaps, but like complex repression and stigma associated with their bodies mm-hmm. to like just kids being ending up being embarrassed because they don't know basic facts about how the world works right yeah exactly and this movie really reinforces mm-hmm. all of that that like the story of a stork is because babies are produced asexually because sex is not just adult it is uh dirty wrong mm-hmm. uh absolutely uh taboo is the word i couldn't think of and even more specifically pregnancy yeah that it's directed specifically at women that pregnancy is yucky and shameful and we should hide away from it and just like oh mom got fat for a while then a stork came and brought the baby like there's no biology there there's no uh female anatomy there's no female uh bodily knowledge acknowledgement and it's like first of all just confusing Mm -hmm. because kids see that the story they're hearing doesn't align with the reality they observe yep and secondly it just makes yeah not just sex not just bodies but specifically i'm glad you said that because i agree i think you're right uh specifically women's bodies are inherently shameful and it's this like chain of uh suppression and repression Mm -hmm. that like sex is bad so we can't talk about pregnancy because it's caused by sex so we can't talk about menstruation because it uh is connected to the mechanisms of pregnancy and reproduction. Yeah. So we can't talk about, you know, women's bodies at all. Yeah. Because that's where babies grow and pregnancy is not allowed. And that's what women are for is carrying babies, but we can't actually acknowledge that at the same, like it's all gets this tangled knot of shame. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, like, is it okay that this movie is pulling us back into that? Maybe not. <laughs> or yeah. it certainly is a point against it. It certainly is. And, like, neither of our kids believe in the stork. We've, from the time they were infants, tried our best to be uh, frank about how bodies work. Mm-hmm. There's another thing I wanted to talk about in this movie, and it is the thing that comes up often in kids' movies about a person's true purpose in life. Mm. Because you said the uh, her growing from childhood to adulthood uh, isn't the theme of the movie, and that's true. But what is a theme of the movie is the stork's real true purpose is delivering babies and what's wrong with them delivering packages is it's not what they're put on the earth to do Mm. there's a thing they were put on the earth to do and they will be unhappy and uh all of the unfulfilled and all of the things that they do will end up not 
leading to anything meaningful as long as they're working on the wrong path. There's a right path, and it's unequivocal. Yeah. <laughs> unequivocal. And it's, you know, like, we get that in the prologue, and we get it again by the end, and, like, it was a mistake to do anything that isn't what they are put on Earth to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's bad because we're saying that any given person or category of person, even though these are birds, has, you do this, and if if you try to get uppity... If you try to get outside of your sphere, you're going to be unhappy and it's yeah. not going to work out for you. And, and like, that is, it's a problem. Yeah. And I feel like there, it's a problem in like, uh, we could we could take it further and further why it's a problem. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, it's a problem because people who take that to heart are people who are going to flit from one vocation to another because I don't feel really fulfilled. And if it was the right thing for me, it would just like everything would click and be wonderful and there would be no, I would have no doubts ever. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's how life works. Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe I just haven't found my one reason I was put on it. Probably. <laughs> um, but then more than that is what you were just saying, like there's a classism to that. It is easy to manipulate that narrative into, like, you poors were put on the earth to be poor. Us riches were put on the earth to be rich. Find your place in the world. Stay there. Don't try to get uppity. Don't try to do something you're not meant to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, uh, you know, it's like this disingenuous faux uh, equality of, like, everyone has their own thing they were put on the earth to do that makes them happy. Mine is being a CEO and managing several companies, and yours is sweeping the floor in one of my companies. And mm-hmm. as long as we're both happy in our vocations, your job isn't less important than mine as long as you... But you need to find fulfillment right where you are. And it's just like, that's a narrative that is easy to manipulate into letting people... Into not letting, into making people stay in their place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? And then even worse than that is it's also a narrative that is easy to uh, deploy in very racist terms. Mm Mm-hmm. There are, uh, there have historically been and continue to be theories of human races that have particular strengths. Mm-hmm. And that, like, if you are a race that is good at thing one, I'm not going to repeat any of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk in generalities because I don't want to reinforce that. reinforce any of them, right? But if you are a race that is good at this thing... You, you should not try to do that thing. Yeah. Right? That's an actual narrative that gets both consciously and unconsciously represented to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's incredibly harmful. And I don't think that Storks is trying to reproduce that, but all the stories, Storks included, the moral of which is there's a thing you and people like you were put on earth to do, do reinforce that. Yeah. You said you had two things? 
Well, those were the two. Oh, those were the two. One was the premise of uh, whether storks, whether babies come from storks. And the other was, are we put on earth to do one thing? Mm-hmm. So is it good? Is it seriously good? <laughs> I got all worked up and now you're just like, move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's at the least medium good. And I think... I think it's medium good. I don't think it's like good good, but I think it's medium good. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. I enjoyed it more than I enjoy most medium good movies, but I'm willing to accept that that was my enjoyment, not an objective judgment of it. Because really, objectively, what was best about it was the performances and a handful of the performances. Mm-hmm. But it was medium good, at least. It was medium good. How about seriously? It's not seriously good. No. Because it does have some issues. Yeah. But I think it is seriously medium. I think it's in between. I think it's I don't seriously, think it's seriously well bad. intended. Yeah. But intention isn't enough, right? Yeah. A lot of the things we said are so little and subtle. I know. That it's not overtly bad at no. all. No. And there's so it's not many even like ways. This, this isn't even a movie that I would like advise against watching. No. And it's so easy to see so many ways it could have been seriously bad and wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think Tulip kind of plays as a Smurfette. Yeah. There's a lot of male characters and she's the one. But I don't think she plays like that. Mm-hmm. Because she's a lead. Yeah. Right? Uh, there are two leads and she's one of them. And in a lot of ways, she's the primary lead because she's partly because she's the human. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a lot worse. Exactly. So I say medium good. Medium good? Yep. All On right. both counts. So it's a medium good, medium good. I'll agree with that. I don't think it's quite good, but I wouldn't feel comfortable going down to medium in, term- in serious terms, despite mm. all the complaints that we have. So medium good, medium good. Medium good, medium good. I... Um, what ages are, is this movie for? Pretty much all ages. I would definitely show this to like a four-year-old. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Three or four. Like it's quite young. Yeah. Nothing scary. Nothing risque. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe would have been a better movie if there was a little bit more risque. <laughs> that is to say, uh, you know. Taking some risks. They're taking some risks. They completely skirt any conversation about where babies actually come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but although I might have preferred them to do that, the fact that they do skirt it completely means that, like, no matter how puritanical you might be, it's probably fine for you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut that out. Insulting you isn't the <laughs> way to end this show hypothetical person hypothetical puritan listener so if you've watched dorks or have some theories about where babies come from you can get a hold of us <laughs> okay could i interrupt to say they say there's many different ways to get babies so like i can think of in this universe too because presumably <laughs> the normal way and the stork way 
but I would love to hear your theories about the many others. Okay, carry on. <laughs> Absolutely. You can, if you want to tell us those many others, there are a few different ways to contact us. One of them is on Twitter at WTScast. You can find us on Facebook and on Reddit and on Instagram. Those are all, those links are in our show notes. As well as you can email us waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. If you like what we do, if you like making babies, I mean, no, if you like <laughs> WTS, <laughs> you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can give us a little bit to support us, to help us keep making these podcasts and keep making more. Um, you could also hit us up with a rating or a review in your review tab there. That would be fantastic. And I'm remembering... One time when a YouTube video asked for a thumbs up and our daughter just physically like gave a <laughs> thumbs up to the computer <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it was the sweetest thing. And so if you just want to give a thumbs up to your podcast player, that's fine. You can do you that. You can do that. But maybe take a picture of it and, it and tell us. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for listening. I've been Jan Moffat. I've been Paul Moffat. And I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. You can't. Because I'm a stork. Don't try it. Please don't. Am I a stork or uh, something that rhymes with stork? <laughs> <laughs>